Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. She should not be given a half an hour of free airtime. They've offered me now that same half an hour. I will agree to appear with Katie Hobbs next Tuesday on the stage together. And if she doesn't appear with me, they should kick her out and say she can't be on the airwaves at PBS. It's an outrageous thing, and it's hysterically funny to me as a former journalist, and and even the journalism major, that they're wrapping this up in the First Amendment. They made a professional commitment to us. They breached it in no uncertain terms. Under the powers, it's specifically given to the board under the statute, and we have a panoply of uh, election statutes. None of them specifically address the board's ability to determine a hand count. This is not to replace any machine counting or any procedure we're doing with a hand count of ballots. It's not a replacement. We're sending a message that we are not going to spend resources investigating or arresting doctors, nurses, pharmacists. We want to be a city that makes it easier for women and all of our residents to get good health care. And with me to talk about yet more drama over the gubernatorial debate, one Arizona county looking to hand count its ballots and more, are Emily Ryan of Copper State Consulting. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. And Stacy Pearson of Lumen Strategies. Hi, Stacy. Hi, how are you? Doing well. So we have to start just when we thought it was safe to stop talking about the situation with the geo, with the uh, gubernatorial debate uh, between uh, GOP nominee Carrie Lake, Democratic nominee Katie Hobbs. There's more. So, uh, Emily, let me uh, start with you on this. Um, does anyone come out of this looking particularly good? No, I, I mean, I think we're all just so tired of talking about a debate that very few people watch. You know, and I think we have to step back and remind ourselves that the debate at the lectern is a campaign skill. It's not a skill set required of the governor. No one's going to stand at a lectern at a mic and go toe to toe with a drug lord and get them kicked out of Arizona by winning a debate. Now, this is a campaign skill, and candidates often make the decision on whether or not they're going to take advantage of participating in a debate or not. And it's a decision. I mean, so many of our elected officials have opted to participate or not participate. Our own governor uh, chose not to debate Ken Bennett, former Senate president, calling him too fringy and his run for reelection. It's a very common thing to not debate. But Carrie Lake has done an excellent job of making a campaign skill be the major topic of a race for governor. Yes, yeah, Stacey, I mean, there was a lot of debate at the time about whether Katie Hobbs was making the right decision to refuse to debate uh, Carrie Lake. Uh, it kind of seemed like the, the situation had kind of simmered down a little bit. And now, you know, with the decision by by PBS to give uh, Katie Hobbs a, a special 30 minute uh, interview by herself, like, does does that does this situation change the the thinking at all about whether Hobbs was right or not in the first place to choose not to debate Lake? Well, it certainly changes the publicity and the communications tactics on the week that ballots drop into mailboxes. We're not talking about Lake Mead going dry. We're not talking about crime and law enforcement. We're not talking about abortion. 
for the love of God, we're talking about whether or not a channel that has limited viewership um, is showing this or some British Bake Off. I mean, it's it's bonkers how much we've been distracted from the issues um, and, and are talking about this nonsense. Well, I do promise that we will get to abortion because there was some pretty significant news <laughs> of that this week. So we, we will get to that. But yeah. I guess just like, so ha- let's talk about how each of the candidates are, are, are sort of playing this at this point. Um, Emily, and let me ask you about uh, Carrie Lake. You mentioned that she's been doing a very good job of turning the the art of debating into a campaign issue. I mean, she went to PBS the other day and was, you know, basically saying, look, I will still debate her. I will promise not to turn it into a circus or whatever you want to call it. How, how do you think she is doing in terms of using this to her political advantage? I think she's doing a great job because she's taken something that's been a non-issue in every other race in Arizona, clean elections has been around, and made it a big bubbling controversy. I predict she'll be there on Tuesday when Katie Hobbs goes to do her interview, if that still happens, um, grandstanding outside. And I think she's doing a great job of using it to whip whip up her voters. her base and drive turnout among people who already support her. I don't know that she's winning over new people. Um, I'm sure there are uh, some voters that Hobbs would like that think, oh, she should debate her. You know, everyone's got an opinion. We're all a a campaign strategist this time of year. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I think that Carrie Lake has done a great job of making it. She's going to continue to beat on that drum. I don't know if the, voting population will just want to move on from it. At some point, there's going to be oversaturation on the topic and people are going to be tired of talking about it. I'm already there. <laughs> well, so Stacey, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Katie Hobbs. And I, Stacey, I suspect you are also sick of tire- of talking about it at this point, uh, <laughs> just based on what you said earlier. How is How is Katie Hobbs doing in terms of handling this issue? And maybe is it is it helpful to her to maybe have that 30 minutes uh, with uh, Arizona Horizon to be able to talk about some of the issues that are important to her? Well, uh, you know, there comes a point where the adage that all publicity is good publicity is no longer true. Mm. And I think we've teetered into that territory for Katie Hobbs. Um, there comes a point where she could have framed this as I refuse to take a stage with a woman that denies a free and fair election took place in 2020. And had she started there with that um, authoritative voice that she refuses to give an actress a stage or she refuses to give air to conspiracy theories, I don't think we would be talking about this today. And that wasn't the case. It was a much softer approach, but we're talking about a woman who spent Um, the majority of her career in governance and social work. So it's just her personality. This is, she's very um, deliberate and very kind. I'm out swinging and screaming. So here we are two months later, still talking about this. But again, had she, had she come out authoritatively in, in the very beginning saying, I'm not sharing a stage with a lunatic. I think we would be, this would have been over and done. So, Emily, speaking of people who do not believe that a free and fair election took place in 2020, former President Trump was in the Valley uh, last weekend. At this stage of the game, um, like what kind of impact does does him coming and, you know, sharing the stage with Blake Masters and Mark Fincham and Carrie Lake? Like, 
is is it just a matter of shoring up the base and does the base need shoring up at this point i don't think the base needs shoring up you know it it's a little baffling to drag trump out here at this stage um when you know, if math would suggest that you need to add crossover voters and independents. But the fact that they did that tells me that they are counting on a Republican only turnout. The, the strategic decision, if there was one behind doing that, is we're going to have a huge midterm Republican turnout. It's all about Republican voters. That's all we care about. And we just need to make sure they all go to the polls and vote. And, and that tells me that's their strategy. So what you're saying is that, that does that suggest that they are not counting on many independents, not counting on really any Democrats? They just want to make sure as many Republicans turn out and that will carry them to victory? I think so. And I think just to add to that, they're counting on turnout is going to be Republican only voters, mm. Republican majority voters that you won't see independent turnout. You won't see. Uh, the female vote that we're talking about, you're not going to see crossover Democrats, you know, that they're just going to focus on what has always been in midterm elections in Arizona, a strong tradition of Republican turnout. I think that's what they're focused on because Trump doesn't win yeah. over any new people. Right. So, Stacey, we have just a, a, about a minute or so before we have to take a break. But are, is the, uh, turnout is always the name of the game, right, in, in pretty much any election. Do you do you buy into what Emily is saying, that uh, some of the Republican candidates are really just counting on Republican turnout, boosting them over, over Democrats? Well, I think we learned exactly the direction that they're headed after the primary. Most of the time we see partisan primary winners shift to the center, um, to what Emily's point was, to pick up some of the poll. And we didn't see that. And and we're and now we're playing Groundhog Day in Mesa with rallies that have even fewer people than they had in 2020. So this is a very strange approach. All right. That is Stacey Pearson of Lumen Strategies and Emily Ryan of Copper State Consulting. So as promised, let's talk a little bit about abortion. An appeals court uh, this week stayed a lower court ruling that allowed the pre-statehood law that basically banned most, if not all, abortions to go into effect. Stacy, you have been pretty outspoken on this program that pr- all Democratic candidates should basically answer every single question with the word abortion <laughs> and talk about that. How does this play into how Democrats are, are campaigning right now? Well, if the extraordinarily annoying television commercials are any indication, Democrats are doing exactly what they should be doing. And answer, to your point, answering every single question with abortion and spilling every 30, 30 or 15 second spot with safe and legal abortion. Um, so I think we're I think we're they're they're using this to their advantage and unfortunately to the detriment of health care for women across the state. Emily, we have seen a number of Republican candidates sort of not want to talk too much about this issue, it seems, or try to moderate their positions a little bit. Is does the back and forth in the court, does that how does that affect, I guess, how how Republican candidates are, are campaigning and trying to talk about this issue? Oh, sure. Every every time it hits the news, it's a struggle because they don't want to alienate their base after you know campaigning through a primary completely opposite of what they're trying to say now. So it's a tough calculation. I think all polling shows, you know, if you let's just take abortion as birth control and set it aside for a second and focus on all the other things. 
I think the vast majority of Arizona voters think there should be exceptions for rape and incest and that doctors shouldn't be put in jail for providing women's health care. And that's a, you know, if you're a Republican, now you're stuck trying to explain nuances of how you feel about certain things and certain elements and certain uh, conditions. Stay is good for Arizona. It's good to calm everything down and sort through this and allow time to do that and calm the panic. I, you know, frankly, to be crass, the panic certainly helps Democrats at the, the polling location. So, you know, I know that's not what it's all about, but that's what we're talking about today. So yeah, every time it hits the news, uh, Republicans are having to recalculate and figure out how they're going to address that question. Well, and Emily, to the point you just made, a lot of political strategists say that if you are explaining, you're losing. Oh, absolutely. If you've got to split hairs and give hypotheticals and you know, discuss certain circumstances and situations, everyone's tuning out. The more complicated your message is, the harder it is to communicate in the 10 seconds of someone's attention span that, that you have to win them over. Stacy, I want to ask you briefly about the Phoenix City Council this week approving a resolution basically saying abortion prosecution should be the lowest priority. Does this, what kind of impact does that make? Do you see it as mostly a symbolic kind of thing? I do. I think it's performative more than it is actually impactful policy. Uh, but I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate where the Phoenix City Council was going on it. Now, if they would only do um, mushrooms or you know small minor drug possessions, I mean, now, now let's really get into some public safety policy that may have an impact and reduce jail population and you know increase public safety. To be perfectly honest, so mm-hmm. let's you know they, they always have discretion. Now let's expand it to some other areas that that can impact our daily lives. Sure. All right. So, Emily, let's move to uh, Cochise County now, where uh, the Board of Supervisors is potentially interested in hand counting ballots uh, in November. The uh, the members are saying be are trying to be clear and saying this is not instead of machine counting, but in addition to hand counting. What do you make of, of what they're trying to do down there? You know, I think it probably plays really well in Cochise County. And it's hard to argue, you know, while I feel personally like there could be nothing more inaccurate than a hand count of votes and there could be nothing that could possibly delay it and make it take longer than people hand counting. That aside, that politics in Cochise County, it probably plays pretty well to say we're going to do this in addition to we're going to make sure those machines are right and we're going to count. Every single ballot, you know, I think it's probably a good talking point down there. Stacy, to, to Emily's point about it, maybe not being the most accurate way to count ballots and certainly taking a long time. All you have to do is look at, you know, what the cyber ninjas did in terms of hand counting all those ballots. And that was just two <laughs> races uh, that, that they were counting. If they go ahead and do this, what does that mean for the overall I mean, forget the, the local races, but statewide races have ballots counted. Governor, U.S. Senate have, have votes counted in Cochise County. If they are taking a longer time than the rest of the state to count their ballots, what does that mean for us knowing who actually won? Well, I think it's hilarious. I mean, I honestly am watching this as if it's an episode of V, a terrible, terrible episode <laughs> of V. It is, you know, let's go back to the duel. Like, I don't even, let's not vote. Let's just put these two candidates in the street in Tombstone and let them shoot each other. 
And then whichever one is alive at the end wins. I mean, this is so, and the fact that there's such a strong Republican majority and this county wants to delay the results for a candidate that they support is, is just hilarious to me. Like, okay, yeah, let's not, let's not get those, those uh, Republican votes in and let's go host a duel in Tombstone. I mean, just bonkers. Emily, I mean, to, to the point you were making, though, also of, you know, this, you know, hand counting by humans is more prone to error and obviously it takes longer. Could this be in some maybe weird way an effort to show people who don't believe that machines should be counting ballots that maybe they should because people are going to see that the hand count maybe isn't as accurate and certainly takes a lot longer? I, I think that that, with all respects, suggests three level chess. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think I think it's just about every vote counts. There'll be no fraud in Cochise County. We're going to put eyes on every piece of paper. I, I, I think it's that simple. Okay. All right. So we have a couple minutes uh, before we wrap up. And I'd like to ask about uh, Prop 309, which is a voter ID uh, initiative that is on the ballot um, put there by the legislature. It would require voter ID for mail-in ballots, photo ID to vote in person. County recorders in the state have come out against this, basically saying it's not needed. Stacey, does that does that move the needle at all when, when people are looking at these initiatives at the very end of their ballot? Does it matter what Stephen Richer and other county recorders think about this measure? Oh, I think Stephen Richer in particular has a very um, trusted voice in this process. So I do think it matters. And we're seeing voters now who are anticipating their ballots and maybe doing some research this weekend start to pop their heads up on the propositions. And so we're, we're seeing Google search terms spike. We're seeing folks uh, weigh in or ask questions, you know, of their neighbors. My mom called me, for example, on a couple of things. So we're seeing folks tune in and having someone like Stephen Richer and the county recorders that are that are by um, say, hey, this is nonsense. Is I think really helpful to defeat Prop three hundred nine. What do you What do you think about that, Emily? Oh well, you know, I mean, I'm this close to being a disenfranchised voter myself. Um, you know. It, <laughs> I've never been to the polls. I'm not going to the polls. I also don't go into a bank branch. I, I get annoyed by anything that's going to make it harder for me to vote. And I am a traditionally conservative voter. I'm a, I'm a sure thing. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And so more hoops for me to do mail-in voting, which has worked perfectly well my whole entire adult life, is is really frustrating. And I wouldn't be surprised if other voters you know, don't feel the same way. Is this the kind of thing, though, that like saying voter ID, ID at the polls, it's a good bumper sticker, maybe without, mm -hmm. you know, getting into the nuance of what it would mean? Absolutely. Yeah. When when we're talking about polling locations, I think to a lot of people, you know, myself included, if you just say you should have to show a photo ID to vote at the polls, that sounds like, oh, you don't do that already. You know, that sounds reasonable. So, Without getting into what it would take and how this would impact mail-in voting, yeah, I think that that's a, a great headline in, uh, in a lot of areas. Sure. All right. We'll have to leave it there. That is Emily Ryan of Copper State Consulting, Stacey Pearson of Lumen Strategies. Thanks, you both, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot.
You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.